Spirit of God is indeed here and in this place. We gather together to study God's Word and to fellowship with one another, to worship Him. We know that He is present in all places. He is omnipresent wherever we go. The Bible tells us that we cannot go anywhere from His presence. Wherever we go, He's there. But the Bible also tells us that as we come together as believers, He says, even if two or three are gathered in my name, I am present. And that is, as we gather together for the purpose of worshiping, of serving Christ, that he is present in a special way beyond his presence that extends throughout the galaxy. And so he is here today. We encounter him in many different ways. But one of the greatest ways, one of the most primary ways, is through his word. And so this morning, our scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, is where it will begin. We'll read verses 17 and 18, and then we'll move over to um, second chapter of Corinthians, and we'll look at verses 1 through 6. Would you stand, please? For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the power of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved... It is the power of God. And then over to chapter 2. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence of human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with the wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Let us pray. God, we pray that you would take this passage of Scripture, and Father, you would allow us, as we focus on it, as we meditate on it, as we consider it for these next few moments, Lord, that it would... Uh, come deeply into the soil of our hearts, Father, that good things might come out of it, that your Spirit might change us and make us more like Christ. Lord, we pray that uh, this word, Father, that it would go forth, that it would be blessed in our lives and in the lives of others that we touch. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Think back to your childhood days. You had lots of favorite things as a kid, but what was your favorite TV show? And specifically, what was your favorite afternoon TV show? Not the new things that were coming out, but, you know, what was was it in the afternoon? If you got home from school and didn't have homework or chores to do right away, what, what did you watch? You know, did you have some of those 
uh, some favorite shows. I mean, there was there were some modern things when I was a kid. Seems like there might have been a few cartoons and such, but a lot of it was was reruns. And so I would watch. You know, I was born in 1973. I would watch these shows that were made before I was even born. I, I would come home and I'd watch Gilligan's Island, or I'd watch The Brady Bunch. But, uh, probably my favorite was a show called Hogan's Heroes. Now, I, you know, I just accepted that show as it was as a kid, and I, I got to thinking about it as an adult. Now, what a strange show. We're going to make a show about Americans, prisoners, uh, captives of the Nazis in World War II, and it's a comedy. Now, that is a strange setup, but yet it worked. It was a great show. And uh, so you had these American soldiers, and there they were. They, basically, they, they, had, they had it all over, the, the, their captors, their German captors, and, and they were doing their own thing. They were basically running the show. But my favorite character wasn't one of the Americans, as much as I liked them, and they did cool things. My favorite character by far was Sergeant Schultz. And Sergeant Schultz was this big guy, and just, you know, he, he wasn't all that bright, and somehow he always ended up owing some kind of favor or being indebted to the Americans. And so he always had to look the other way when they were doing something that they shouldn't be doing. And he had this, this quote, and I loved it. He'd say, I see nothing, I hear nothing, I know nothing. Or sometimes he would say, I see nothing, I see nothing. You know, he'd just get more emphatic about it. But his whole thing was, hey, I don't know anything about this. I have nothing. I can't tell Colonel Clink anything about it. You know, I, I don't know a thing about it. I'm not involved in this. He was so funny that way. But, you know, he's probably, I got to thinking, he's probably the only person that was really funny who was ignorant and proud of it. We meet a lot of folks these days who are ignorant and proud of it, and usually they do not inspire laughter from us. Uh, sometimes they do, but, uh, you know, those kind of people are usually not funny because they're the type that I don't care what you say, don't bother me with the facts, I know what I know that I don't know, and, but I'm going to tell you, and, you know, they're all, you know, don't tell me anything else, I already know everything I want to know. They're generally not the kind of people that we want to be around, people who are ignorant and proud of it. And yet, as you read this passage of, of uh, Corinthians from the Apostle Paul, basically what Paul says is, I'm ignorant and proud of it. But it's kind of different. You see, Paul had an issue going on with these folks at Corinth. Um, he had been there. He was one of their earliest pastors. And, um, <clears throat> but he wasn't the only pastor they would have. And he'd keep in touch with them. And he found out there started this, this thing going on where there were favorites and there were ones. And, and that's something, you know, every pastor knows. It's just this kind of it. You, you, you hear different things. I remember when I first got here to this church, we had a big retreat, for a leadership retreat. And we pulled in about 20, 25 of leadership folks. And we, one of the things we did was look at the history of the church. And we talked about different pastors over the past 20 or 30 years before I got here. And and, you know, there, there were fond memories, and, oh, we built a building with this person, and, oh, you know, we really learned and grew in this way under this person, and, and, and that's normal. In fact, uh, I have answered to a lot of things. I never, usually never say anything, and it doesn't happen near as much. I've been here, you know, getting close to 10 years. I think I'm about, about to nine years 
now, but, uh, you know, I've answered to Brother Terry, Pastor Terry, Pastor Kip. I've been, you know, all sorts of things, and people say subconsciously, and I just say, oh, yes, what is it you need? I don't even say anything. And, uh, you know, it's, it's no big deal. But in Corinth, this whole thing had become a big deal because Paul had this deal where the church was getting divided, I mean, that's fine that everybody has positive memories of, of different pastors in the past. But what if all of a sudden our church started to create little cliques and to subdivide, and these people said, well, I'm a Pastor Terry person. And these people said, well, I'm, I'm a Pastor Kip person. These people said, I'm a Pastor Tim. And then there was another group that said, we're Jesus people. We don't know about all you folks. Well, that is exactly what was happening. See, Paul had been there, and there were some people saying, I'm a Paul person. And then there was other people, this guy named Apollos, who was slick and powerful. I mean, he was a great orator. He had this voice. And people said, oh, Apollos is our guy. And then other people, well, the apostle Peter, he'd come through through a revival, or, or some folks had moved from Rome, and, and they're and they like, we're apostle Peter people. And then there was literally a fourth group that said, oh, we're Jesus people. Forget all you folks. You know, we're better than all of you. And they were, they were separating into all these groups. And Paul said, look, man, this is ridiculous. He said, is Christ divided? Are, are there multiple Christs? Is there a, a Paul Christ and a Christ Christ? It's kind of like churches, right? We've got Baptists and Methodists and Catholic, and then, you know, the, uh, we're the assembly of God. We're the church of God. We're the Christian church. Is there any other kind? But, hey, you know, we've got all these names saying we're the church. Like, we're the ones. And Paul said, what's going on? In fact, he, he says, I didn't baptize anybody the whole time that I was there besides so-and-so and so-and-so, and that's pretty much it. Now, that's interesting because what do people often do? Oh, well, I was at that church, and Pastor so-and-so married me, or Pastor so-and-so baptized me. And, and Paul said, look, I didn't even baptize any of you except for a couple folks, and I'm glad I didn't. He said, because my whole deal wasn't to do, to do baptisms, as important as baptisms are. My deal is about the gospel. My deal is focusing in. And Paul said, when I came to you, I did not come with human wisdom. I did not come to you as some great and powerful orator using a, a, a cultured voice and all the Greek and Roman rules of oratory and, and, and all the powerful things I could do to, to just sway you and how magnificent a speaker that I was. Paul said, I came in fear and in trembling. I came determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ. Now, what was Paul talking about? Because let's go ahead and get it out there. He was not ignorant. He was probably the most well-learned of all the apostles. The Bible tells us that, that he was a disciple of the most famous rabbi in his day. In other words, if they didn't have him back then, but he'd be a Ph.D. with additional studies, okay? He had all of the degrees, so to speak. He had all of the formal knowledge. He could have come in and talked about, well, the Aramaic word, blah, blah, blah. You know, he could, he could have done all the things to show off how fancy and, and knowledgeable and smart he was. But Paul said, I determined not to know anything but Jesus Christ, and him crucified. Why is that? 
Paul said, because it's not about me. It's not about Apollos. It's not about Peter. Everything is about Jesus and him crucified. And by the way, he did say Jesus and him crucified. There are churches today where you will hear Jesus, but you will not hear him crucified. And Paul says that's another gospel. If you take away the cross, you have taken away the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus did not come to help you live your best life. Jesus did not come to make you more prosperous and wealthy and healthy. He came to save you from your sins. And you see, the Apostle Paul talked about the offense of the cross. That we are constantly, as Christians of all ages, there is always a temptation to downplay the cross and talk about Jesus does this and does that, and he'll give you meaning in your life and and all these other things. And many of them are true, but the moment you forget about the cross, you have forgotten about the fundamental reality, what Paul calls the offense of the cross. And make no mistake, the cross is offensive. The cross says to you and I that we're not just mostly good people who've done a few little things and we need a little, you know, touching up and and we'll be better. The cross says to you and I, that we are to our core sinful. That we are born into this world with this sin nature and we soon accept that sin nature and begin sinning regularly as we get old enough to know what's right from wrong. And we choose to rebel against God. And the cross says, Jesus doesn't need you on his team. You need Jesus, but he wants you. He loves you so much He died for you. He took the penalty for your sins. He paid for it on the cross. I decided to know nothing but Jesus and him crucified. Why did he do that? He said, because I didn't want you to come in and it all be about, whoo, the Apostle Paul. Man, he's a good speaker. Man, that guy is so smart. What a scholar he is. What an orator he is. See, Paul said, I don't want people to hear me speak and come away and say how great Paul is. I want people to hear me speak and say how great is our God. How great is the one that took someone like that with all his flaws and his weaknesses and his meek and mildness and his fear and his trembling, and yet God worked through him. He said, instead of my power, I want people to see the power of the Spirit of God. That is what is going to convince people. Not me being a smart guy, a cool guy, a likable guy. It's all about Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit as he works on the cross. And so the idea is, We have to understand, number one, when we come to a Bible study or to a worship service, it's not about the personalities on the platform. It's about the God that we encounter in Scripture. It's about the God that we encounter as His Spirit works through us. Look, this is, this is not an idea that, hey, let's stay behind the times and let's do things, church, the way it was done 200 years ago or 50 years ago. That's not what I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about understanding that while we may stay relevant to our culture as times change, and every church does that in some form or fashion. Every church at some point put in some lights. Most every church put in some air conditioning or some heat. If they didn't, they probably don't have a lot of folks going there, okay? And that's all fine and good. But we don't draw people in to say, oh, Look at our air-conditioned building. Look at our heated building. Look at our building with lights. We draw people in to say, hear about Jesus. Hear how he transformed us, how he changed us in all of our flaws, in all of our imperfections. Hear about Jesus. See his power at work. And so we understand that when we come, it's not about the person speaking or singing. It's about Jesus. That's really important. You don't go to a church for a pastor or a music leader or anybody else. You go for Jesus. But secondly, take it away from this big wide context of, of everything. It's also very personal to each of you, to each of us. And that is, not only is it not about the preacher, it's not about the Christian when it comes to sharing your faith in your workplace and in your world. The exact same things apply. When you talk to people, when you ask folks, why don't you share your faith more? What would hinder you? What would keep you from being a light in your community or your workplace? Inevitably, the answers will almost always be self-centered and self-focused. Well, I don't really know a whole lot about the Bible. Well, I'm not really outgoing. Well, you know, I'm kind of shy. Well, I'm afraid that I might offend them and our relationship might not be the same. And it's I, 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 I. And what the apostle would have you know is that it is not about you any more than it was about him. But it is about Jesus. You see, it is the very fact that unbelievers around you who see you and they know you're not perfect, they know you're very human, they know your faults and your flaws and your sins, your goof-ups, when they see the power of God working in your life, that's the message. Nobody's coming to Christ because of what a cool guy you are, what a happening person you are, that you're the woman that has it all together. Nobody's coming to Christ for those reasons. They're coming to Christ if they come to Christ because you are simply obedient in living out your faith and in sharing your faith in fear and in trembling. And doesn't that describe how most of us feel when we go to share our faith with someone? It's not always easy. But if the Apostle Paul could say, I shared my faith, I shared the gospel in fear and trembling, and even though I was who I was, even though I was nervous, even though I didn't use big fancy words, <laughs> the power of God's Spirit worked through that message, worked through my ministry, and His church grew. And God is saying to each of us as believers today, it's not about you, except just being obedient. Obedient you is what I want. Willing, usable you. 
that in your weakness and in your fear and in your flaws, that you simply say, hey, you know me, you know I don't have it together. But you ask me how I was able to go through that situation like that, or, or you were wondering why I do these things that are a little different. Here's why. And you simply tell them the simple message of a God who loved us enough that he sent his own son to die for us on Calvary. I want to encourage you today. We often get in our minds of, that we're so limited because we're not some super Christian. Well, I can't speak like him. I, I, I don't make casseroles like she does. Uh, I can't sing like them. You know, whatever your talent is and, or your talent's not, and you focus on that. I can't do this like they can or like they can. God knows exactly who you are. He didn't make you you by accident. You're you on purpose. In fact, he's even going to use the mess-ups you made. The good and the bad and everything in your life, God says, I want to take those things. And I want to use those things for my glory. As you go out, plain old you, average old you, ordinary old you. I mean, Paul almost got kind of insulting. If you read some of the verses we skipped over, he says, Brothers and sisters, not many of you were very wise. Uh, not many of you had much money. I mean, he just kind of starts laying it out. Not many of you. He, in other words, he's saying, folks, you ain't rock stars. But that's okay because I'm not a rock star either. And we don't have to be a rock star to please Jesus and to honor him. We simply have to share Christ and him crucified. We have to share the fact that there's a God who loves us so much. He loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay the way we are. And he wants to change us as we trust him for our salvation. And I want to encourage you today, just as you would hopefully never consider going to a church because of some person there, whether it was a, a, a leader or a, a performer or whatever, that you would never limit what God wants to do in your life because of what you have or don't have. But you would simply say, God, like the Apostle Paul could go to Corinth in fear and trembling. Lord, here I am in fear and trembling. But I want you to use me. I want to share Christ and Him crucified with a world that so desperately needs that message of hope. And that is when you will see the power of the Holy Spirit at work. See, God is like this, and it's not even just a New Testament thing. It's in the Old Testament. He did this over and over. There are times when a battle would come and, you know, hey, we got 30,000 showed up. That's great. Oh, well, let's, let's go test them and see how they drink water. Oh, two-thirds of them gone. Now it's down to 10,000. Uh, let's see who's kind of scared and let them go. You know, and, and, oh, God, we've got about 500 left. Okay, good. Now it's time for me to get the glory. The best thing that could ever happen for your life 
is for people to look at your life and say, whoa, something's going on because I know that's not them. It's got to be God. It's got to be God doing what I see in their lives. Join with me in prayer. Father, we come to you today. And Lord, we know, we know our failures, our flaws, our sins. Some people know some of them, but only you know all of them. And, and so, God, you know that on our own, Lord, we don't have, we don't have that ability to honestly look people in the face and say, hey, trust Jesus because of me. But we have that ability, God, to go to others and say, trust Jesus because of what he did in spite of me. What he did to love me and care for me and accept me into his family. Despite all that I am and all that I've done. Lord, help us to not be people followers, man followers, but followers of your spirit. And Lord, help us to reject the pride and the self-centeredness that would keep us from being used in fear and trembling to spread the message of your love to a world who so desperately needs it. Father, now we pray that you'd bless this time we have of commitment. Lord, that we would offer ourselves to you fully and wholly to serve your kingdom. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.